Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Actress in a supporting role. The nominees are Kate Blanchett in The Aviator, Laura Linney in Kinsey, Virginia Madsen in Sideways, Sophie Okonedo in Hotel Rwanda, Natalie Portman in Closer. And the Oscar goes to Kate Blanchett in The Aviator. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2005 ceremony Best Supporting Actress win for Kate Blanchett for The Aviator. This was her second nomination. Uh, her first was obviously for Elizabeth. She probably should have won for that, but that's a different episode. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited because today I am having a guest on the podcast that uh, I've, I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time. He's a friend. He's a comedian. His album, Rock Bottom, his comedy album, Rock Bottom, uh, <laughs> it went to number one on iTunes. It's available anywhere that you can listen to uh, music. It's Bobby Knopf. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited that you could do this. And whenever I bring people onto the show, I always like to ask, you know, like why they may have picked a certain year or a certain actress or both. So in this case, why did you pick Kate Blanchett for The Aviator? Uh, a couple reasons. Like, obviously, you've done a few episodes. So like my one, number one choices weren't available. But then I noticed <laughs> I was like, She's won twice and she hasn't been talked about yet. So yeah, obviously I wanted to do one. And then I really love Martin Scorsese and I haven't watched The Aviator in a while. So it was actually an excuse. Whereas in the other thing she won for, I had seen more recently. So I was like, oh, this is an excuse to rewatch The Aviator and all these other movies, actually, because some of them I haven't watched since the year they came out. <laughs> I love the implication that Kate Blanchett is second best pit. You know, like she's... Always the bridesmaid and never the bride <laughs> in your choices. I love that. I'm sure it will elicit the gay gasp somewhere in the world. <laughs> I love um, her. She's great. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do have to say, though, of like all the movies that I love her in, it's never the movies that she won the Oscar for. Although apparently this year, everybody's saying that she might win for that movie Tar. Yes, I'm very excited for that. And I want to, I'm going to see that sometime in the next little while. But yes, I agree with you. The thing she wins for, it's kind of like, ah. Oh, She's great, but it's not the yep. thing that I either love her for or remember her for or anything like that. Totally true. Okay, uh, but before we do sort of get into it, uh, so I want to read a little uh, review that we got um, that I absolutely love. And it basically just sums up the entire tone um, and brand of this podcast. So it's titled, It's a Fritz Bernays, Ladies, which if you listen to this podcast, that's how I describe everything where it's like, obviously it's no question because it's a quote from Brides, a quote from Bridesmaids. So if I, it, so, okay, first of all, the, the review is called that. It says, this is from Mickle85 from Australia. I recently discovered this podcast and I'm hooked. Kyle and company may err now and then with the facts clutches pearls, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is so true because I just read these facts off of IMDb. I don't know how accurate they are, but you know, the thing that we're focusing on is really the humor and the comedy. And I constantly stress on this podcast, if you are looking for like a historical kind of 
like rundown of these movies and stuff like that. That's a completely different podcast. That's not what this is for. We're here to talk about the movies and make fun of them. I'm a stand-up comedian. Bobby's a stand-up comedian. We're here to just make poops and giggles. Uh, exactly, okay. exactly. 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 He says, but yeah, it's hundred percent. But he's like, but the more that they uh they make, but they more than make up for it talking about the inaccuracies with the humor. So give it a go. It's free content, Queens. And thank you, Kyle, for the many laughs. Keep it up. So thank you, Mickle eighty five. I I appreciate that. That that's a great shout out. It is. Um, that is a very good review. Because <laughs> most people will get on your case for facts and be like, nah, they said this and have exact things of like they should have said this, but they were just like, you know what? It's fun. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's all for fun. That's all this is. Um, and okay, so uh, two thousand five ceremony year. So best picture went to Million Dollar Baby. Best actor went to Jamie Foxx for the movie Ray, which I've never seen actually. Best Ooh. actress went to Hilary Swank for Million Dollar Baby. And I always thought that it should have gone to Annette Bening for being Julia. But again, that's another podcast. Yep. Um, with uh Stefan Brogren from Degrassi, I did that episode with him. So. Listen to that. Uh, Best Supporting Actor went to Morgan Freeman for Million Dollar Baby, and Best Director went to Clint Eastwood for Million Dollar Baby. I think that that movie in that year, I think it, like, just got in under the wire of, like, when the cutoff was for eligibility, and it just kind of swept. And in hindsight, I'm kind of like, I don't know if it needed all of those awards. Maybe, like, Morgan Freeman, like, fine. Yeah, but, like, the Academy loves Clint Eastwood. And so, yeah. and they love like a underdog sports movie. And so, and that, that's why like the aviator also swept, but a lot of the technical side of it. And so right. like, because that pleased the Academy for all the other reasons. And I think that's why Kate, when we get into it, that uh, one, because it like ticks so many boxes for not only is it a great performance, but so many things the Academy loves about itself. And they also love Catherine Hepburn. I mean, they gave exactly. her the actress four times. So. Exactly, exactly. So a movie about movies with people that have won awards, it just is like, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Okay, so let's jump into it. Now, this is uh, in no particular order, as I always say. Uh, this is just usually the movie order that I watched it in, but... First person that I want to talk about is Laura Linney in Kinsey. So very quickly, uh, Kinsey is a look at the life of Alfred Kinsey, the pioneer uh, in the area of human sexuality research, whose 1948 publication, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, was one of the first recorded works that saw science address sexual behavior. And Laura Linney uh, is playing Clara McMillan, who is Alfred Kinsey's wife. And for Laura Linney, especially at the time, this was a very de-glammed performance, something that the Academy obviously loves very, very much. Mm -hmm. And I'd never seen this movie before. And of all of these movies, I would say that this was probably the one that kept my interest the most. However, two things, I really feel like they kind of, it kind of got really boring near the end. And I don't know uh, if having... Uh, uh, Liam Neeson was the right choice. I think there was a bit of a miscast because mm, I just don't think that he was right for the role. I either see like um, that movie, what's that, Taken, or I see like Schindler's List. I I, I can't, he, he doesn't lose himself in characters. Like he's, I'm very aware that I'm watching Liam Neeson. So I don't know if he was the right role for Kinsey, but I do feel that Laura Linney was the right role for Clara McMillan. Yes. Um, so have you seen this movie before and what do you think? 
Uh, I thought I had, but then quickly, like 10 minutes in, I was like, I think I had only seen the trailer. Because uh, right. I started getting into movies into high in sorry into movies in high school and tried to always watch what kind of whatever was up for Oscars and stuff like that or anything that was getting good reviews and I guess I just missed it so yeah hadn't seen it before and I totally agree with she was well cast and he miscast or yeah mm-hmm. just didn't dive into the role and especially was evident with scenes with John Lithgow when I'm supposed to be like, he's his son. And it's not even an age thing because people have been cast in things where they're close in age and they still play parents and you buy it in the role. So it wasn't an age thing. It just exactly what you were saying. It's just like, he didn't dive into it. He was good. Like the movie was entertaining and he never took me out of it. But yeah, Mm. she was great. She was, she was like, like out of the, the movie, I kept wanting more of her. And whenever it would like veer back into her storyline, I was very pleased that she wasn't just used as like his, just his wife. You know what I mean? In these movies, especially when the title of the movie is the main actors, you know what I mean? You have a risk mm-hmm. of the the wife just being that in the movie. And she actually had more to do. So I was really, really excited when I was like watching it. And she well, was great. Mm-hmm. Oh no, she she was great because but the thing about Laura Linney with me is she's always that like Upper West Side New York socialite rich Connecticut woman like upstate New York, like she wears pearls, she has like a pastel sweater, she goes to soccer games, and she's like, "Do you ski or do you have any cheese from Vermont?" <laughs> That's Laura Linney to me because I don't really see a ton of I've never really seen a ton of like even in Ozark, which is like one of my favorite shows. Like whenever she starts to get all like. I don't know, like tough, tough girl. And she's like, you know, trying to be like a boss and stuff like that. It's like, I'm always very aware that I'm watching Laura Linney. Yes. Just because she's just that Martha Stewart, like, oh, are you going home for the holidays? Like, I I can't really like see her outside of that. But I got to say, like in this, this is kind of one of those examples where she really wasn't Laura Linney. Like she really was Clara McMillan or whatever I would assume Clara McMillan was like. I appreciated that she deglammed for the role. I know that during this time, you know, um, Charlize Theron and Monster was like making that sort of the precedent at the time. Yeah, of, I, I'm not that she went that deglam. No, no, just, exactly, because she is still sexy in the movie, and that's what I liked about the role is that she like owns her sexuality in it. Because of course, that's what the movie is about, and so uh-huh. she just very much is talking like very nonchalant about it and like i love the scenes with like her and uh peter sarsgaard when he's like oh i'd like to now have sex with you and then liam neeson's kind of like whoa what's happening after he has revealed to her like and that was my favorite scene of her when she like he's revealing to her in a very scientific way of like yes i slept with him and i Mm -hmm. i took the urges and (laughs) i i i would be lying if i didn't take it like follow these urges and he's she's just like you can't lecture through this like and and, (laughs) yeah she's so good in that that was the scene where i'm like oh this is probably the thing that got her noticed for the nomination because that scene is so good you know it's so funny i'm so desensitized to that stuff because my boyfriend and i were in an open relationship and we've i mean most gay men are that are in relationships and so for me it's like an open relationship for straight people i can completely understand that that would either be so subversive or so shocking for so many people but like when you've been in an open relationship like as long as i have it just seems so silly where it's sort of like you know 
the way that like a woman in a in a movie from the 1950s if she got her period it's like she was supposed to be like disgusted with herself and it had to be this big secret and like if a man found out he would just be shocked like when hank hill from kick of the hill finds out that uh Connie like gets her first period and he's like screaming and freaking out and he won't go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he won't go down aisle eight A at the Megalomart. And it's like it's just so funny to me how it's just like these things are so silly. But like for me, it's the whole open relationship thing that I think is so funny to me as a gay person watching this. I'm just like, oh my god. But obviously for the time that was quite shocking. But you're right. That was also my favorite scene. That. And whenever she shows up in the movie with like a Dr. Quinn medicine woman haircut and yes. she's like acting all like, I'm like, what year is this? And then she's acting like all like thrilled because Liam Neeson Kinsey bought her these like hideous brown shoes and she had to be so thrilled about it. <laughs> and I was like, give her the Oscar just for acting so thrilled for those hideous shoes. That was, that was some tremendous acting right there. There were so many yeah. times with wig changes, like, because the, <laughs> the movie has to, it, it, it fell victim to one of those early 2000 things where like the movie ages a lot. And when you, when you don't have the best makeup team on your movie, it falls victim to just like, oh, the wigs have to age. That's how we're yeah. going to age people. <laughs> and so that alone, I was like, give her the Oscar for that. Just these ridis- ridiculous wig changes. And she's just like, nope, this is <laughs> how old I am. I'm fine with this. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Also, whenever she and Kinsey were, like, mocking John Lithgow, Kinsey's father, in bed after that awful dinner, I I also loved her in that scene as well. Yes, and she was really good at getting Lithgow's, like, tone and delivery to the point where I was just like, oh, I want to see her in, like, almost, like, host SNL or something. You know what I mean? Like, has she ever hosted SNL? Because she would be great. Like, it just, that's, well, is, I love that scene, too. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot about that one. Well, this is going to blow your mind, but um, fun fact, Laura Linney actually was John Lithgow in this movie. That's how good she is. <laughs> Range. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but she kind of had a little bit of, like, a Jennifer Connelly in Beautiful Mind Realness happening, where she's sort of, like, the wife of like a brilliant misunderstood scientist and um you know the the struggles that he goes through and i'm like okay like seen this before it's won an oscar already and i was like uh like i don't really know but i actually found that what i enjoyed about her character and i don't know if they did this on purpose but she seemed more vocal and resistant toward everything at the kind of the beginning of the story and kind of halfway through, especially the conflicts with the children and them being kind of embarrassed by their sexually positive family, you know, during this time. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, the kids are like, no other family are, is like this. And, and this, and the way that she kind of navigates that, but kind of near the end of the movie, especially whenever he starts to become more famous, she kind of really dials it back and becomes way more quiet and less, um, uh what's the word like there's less conflict with her because i think that she's very much accepted like this is my life and there isn't actually anything wrong with these things and talking about these things because it is science because we are biological people and i love that kind of near the end of the movie you see less of her and she kind of becomes more quiet which normally you would be like well that you know it's a movie like i want to see more of her it's like no but i feel like that was intentional yeah i think that that like worked yeah, it didn't have that thing where I'm like, oh, why did she just get disappeared into the background? But it like made sense for because she did have a strong mm-hmm. enough character in the first half 
that she they gave her enough to do with like the her dynamic that yeah it made sense for it's just like okay at this point now i just have to be supportive of like what's going on Mm -hmm. but then but then like you said it kind of just did that thing where it was like a biopicy thing where they kind of had to wrap things up and the last half just wasn't as strong anyways well because do you remember whenever he collapsed because he was quote a monster because he was addicted to barbiturates that came out of nowhere yeah yeah for sure i actually had to rewind it because i'm like did i get up and miss something because it did just like come like out of like it it felt like they were like oh i think we missed these script pages one day and we have to film these and shoehorn this in somewhere like yeah Oh, also, I love the ironic casting of Tim Curry as, like, the conservative professor. (laughs) Yes! Yeah, I wish they used him more. I was so, like I said, I hadn't seen this one before, so when he popped up, I was surprised. I was like, oh, nice! And then when I was like, oh, underused. But so nice just to see him in something. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Also, I would say that, for me, the most emotional scene was actually not even with Laura Linney or uh, with uh, Kinsey or anything like that. It was about sort of near like at the end, whenever that woman thanks Kinsey for validating her feelings of, you know, her being gay and that she was finally able to express her feelings toward her partner. And then they've been together for like three or four years and how happy she was. That made me a little emotional actually. And that was the most emotional scene. hundred percent. I cried at that point too, because there were so many parts in the movie that I think it was not necessarily trying or trying to bait you into crying, but definitely getting to an emotional point. Like the uh-huh. in the scene with the office with like his like team and them like all of them, like their marriages being intertwined, and then one of them being like, Are we just specimens to you? Like that was really emotional, but exactly what you said when it was that person, and it kind of confirmed to Kinsey, like, oh, your work is important. And it was her explaining that to him that I actually teared up a bit and I was like, Oh, this is the best part of the movie. Like, uh-huh. and you're right, it didn't really involve anyone main characters in the movie it was someone a random character yeah and that and it just it it resonated with me um but the okay so the the one last thing that i'll say before we move on about laura linney is i think another really fantastic scene is whenever uh kinsey has sex with uh paul skarsgård uh but then he justifies it as being scientific and then she has a really hard time with that because she's been brought up in of course like a monogamous world and that's her whole world has been shattered and stuff like that and that that i think is also another really wonderful scene and something that she has to accept about her husband and um her and liam neeson in those scenes were really really uh i feel like liam neeson's best scenes were always with laura linney but anytime that he had to fly solo it just it didn't work for me yeah like if, if he was like pushing the plot a little bit it worked but yeah the best scenes with him were definitely with her they really she mm-hmm. she br- elevated his performance as Kinsey and made him fully formed whenever he was in a scene with her. Uh, a couple times when like with uh, with Sarsgaard as well, like that one scene when they're like the numbers, when he's like trying to be all scientific of like, well, no one's just like it's not just like straight in this. There's like zero to ten, and then Sarsgaard's mm-hmm. being all like kind of flirty and like, well, what number? I'd say I'm a three. What are you? He's like, oh, I've been a one in the past and a three. Like that was a really good scene too. That was without mm-hmm. her, but most of the other ones, it was always with her, <laughs> always with her. Yeah, I rewound that scene. <laughs> it was um... a good one. It was really good, and I'm so glad I hadn't seen it before because I think if I would have seen it at like a teenager, I would have been like not uncomfortable by any means, but just kind of been like not laughed it off, but not have been able to fully immerse myself into it. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. Like, I mean, we were, 
I don't even, did Brokeback come out at that point? Like, we were still used to being, like, gay narratives had to end in a hate crime. So, yeah, there was a lot of self-loathing going on at that point in the in time. And toxic masculinity. So, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and it was so nice to see it played out and, like, it be not bad, but bad in a different way of him not explaining it to his wife perfectly. And then for it to then her have the relationship, like, a sexual relationship with him. And then him being downstairs, like, come on, we gotta go. And they're, like, trying to have sex upstairs. I was like, this is great. I did not see it going this direction. Like... <laughs> Uh, the only fact that I found interesting about this movie, um, <laughs> it's not even really that interesting, but Laura Linney gained 20 pounds for this role by eating Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, delicious. What a delicious way to do so. I know. I want a Krispy Kreme donut now. Yeah, me too. Okay. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Laura Linney's performance before we move on? Uh, no, I think we t- touched on everything. Like her and Liam Neeson's scenes were, were the best ones and... Yeah, she was great. Okay. So this one I'm really excited to talk about. Let's talk about Natalie Portman in the movie Closer. So I've seen this movie like a bunch of times and every single time I see it, I always get that fucking opening song like, I can't keep my eyes off of you. It gets stuck in my head. It's still in my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very quickly, the relationships of two couples become complicated and deceitful when the man from one couple meets the woman... Of the other. And honestly, I don't know if this movie would work or be interested if everybody in the movie wasn't gorgeous. Oh, that was the first note I made. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's really not a lot going on in this movie. It's just, it's like a soap opera. And um, Natalie Portman in this movie is Alice and she's from America. And I have to wonder if it's because she couldn't do a British accent, but that, I speculate. <laughs> and she was also like a stripper, but she was um, very like in charge of her body. And it's her way of control um, because she's a failed actress and she goes on auditions and she never gets anything. But the one thing that she can control and land and get everybody's attention and be desired is when she's a stripper. So it's very much like an empowerment thing for her. So I'm sure for 2004, maybe this was a very strong feminist narrative. I don't know. But it was an interesting role for Natalie Portman. And this was the first movie since Star Wars, uh, she said, that helped her get away from that image. Because I think the Attack of the Clones, she got nominated for um, Worst Actress at the Razzies. The Razzies, yeah. Her career was just like not in the greatest place because of that movie. And I think that's the movie where... Hayden Christensen has that ridiculous monologue about sand. (laughs) Anyway, so Natalie Portman, this was her first Oscar nomination, but this was also the first movie since her sort of Star Wars image to help her kind of get away from that. And frankly, I've actually kind of forgotten about the fact that she's in those Star Wars movies, but I did love her in the first and third, I will say. Yeah, she's great in them. But yeah, she did a very good job of breaking the Star Wars curse that happens to a lot of people where they're only mm-hmm. remembered for that, where she's like definitely breakthrough. And this movie helped a lot. Yeah. So very quickly, uh, Natalie Portman in this movie, um, it is, the movie opens on, you know, why it's so important to look both ways when crossing the street. She gets hit by a car. And then Jude Law like takes her to the hospital and he has a lot of boundary issues like right off the top, like super EP cray. Like I would not start dating this person. Like he would never like no means no Jude Law. <laughs> um, he had a really hard time with that. And uh, 
Yeah. So Natalie Portman in this movie, she, I feel like this turns into, and it's the same reason why Gina Davis won for the accidental tourist where it becomes like who the Academy, especially the older men are like, who do we have the biggest crush on this year? Yeah. I feel like that narrative played into it because come on, it's Natalie Portman. She's gorgeous. But in this, she's like this super clingy, cannot be alone, needs a man in her life. Can't be doing anything on her own. She's a codependent. And I feel like that would appeal to maybe like, oh, the older Academy voters like, ooh, like, let me take care of this young, gorgeous stripper. I don't know. But like. No, I totally. Just, I, I totally agree. Yeah. 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 Anyway, what did you think? I uh, saw this actually when it came out for like, I worked at the theater at the time and I saw a lot of movies and I was just like, oh, and I loved Natalie Portman from Star Wars as a young guy i was like yeah and then it definitely was like i was like oh this is a lot more mature than i'm used to and i remember like liking it at the time but not really getting it and then definitely like getting it a lot more like Mm -hmm. this this time around and Mm -hmm. she was like the strongest i think one of the strongest parts of the movie both her and clive Mm -hmm. owen and they both got nominated out of this and no one else did and so but she is very strong at playing exactly that but then at times being like really not just clingy kind of manipulative with it. I love that scene where she's like, I'm supposed to leave you. Like I'm supposed to leave you. And like mm-hmm. when he's confessing to her and she like makes out with him and then like she convinces him that he's going to, she should stay for a minute. And then she does leave. And I'm like, oh, okay. She is like, there's more to this character than just playing it very like kind of needy and one noted. And I, true, yeah, I definitely see why she got the attention of like, but yeah, then and then exa- I didn't really think of it from that angle you said of like maybe she got that because a lot of creepy old nominated people are like oh yeah I could ch- I could t- definitely see myself with her and like oh she's she's half naked a lot in the movie like a lot of those creepy dudes <laughs> yeah you know and like you know and like I don't know like I just like because I mean like at the same time like I was also really into Jake Gyllenhaal's nomination for Brokeback Mountain because I had the biggest crush on him so like I understand it. But it's just not the same thing because it's like a lot of women really do get nominated because they were like the sexiest or something. And you're yeah. like, okay. Now that that's not valid, but when it's the majority of the nominations through like the fucking 20th century, you're like, okay, I think we need to diversify here with the roles for women. And that's something that obviously is like changing a lot in the industry now, but maybe it took a little too long to get there. But very quickly though, I will say that um, I thought that all of the characters started to become very like one note or two note where they would all just be like very smug and sexy, or they would be very like sensual or confident, but they would just like follow that one tone of the conversation with the other person that they were having the conversation with. And then in the next scene, you know, Natalie Portman would suddenly just be really clingy and insecure, like in private. And maybe that's just sort of the style of writing for movies like at this time, but Natalie Portman in Closer, this movie just read as, like I said off the top, like a soap opera to yes. me. Yeah. But I will just give it like a solid compliment to Natalie Portman. I really think that she did the most that she could do with this role. And I really admire that she really went there, especially like that iconic scene in the, what's it called? The like, I wrote it down here. Uh, the Paradise Suite scene. At the strip club. Yes. She's great in that. And, but like, you're right of like her character kind of changes a bit, but then it's like, is that what the movie is trying to do? Or is that just like, 
the way it's written and then she kind of does the best she can with what she's given because that mm -hmm. scene is the best but yeah she's not really like super clingy or anything in that like she's become something else but yeah that might be her character's transformation throughout the movie mm -hmm. but yeah i uh it definitely like like you were saying has tones of feeling like a soap opera and like <laughs> It was almost like everybody was just so exhausting. Yeah. And it's like Mike Nichols, like the, the director has been working for a while. And I find sometimes when older directors do like a sexier movie in their later years, they're out of touch with it. You know what I mean? Even right. if they successfully did it younger, it's kind of trying to tap into something that they're not really. So yeah, it's almost like a caricature of what these characters should be like. You know, because he's just like, yeah, this is sexy. This is what sex is like now. Like, I just, I just feel like that. You know, what I mean, and I like some of his older movies and stuff. It's not a dig on him, but I just find when an older director tries to do that with the tone of a movie, it's like they're not trying to mature. Like they're trying to do something younger, and it, that's, it, it feels that's, like it. <laughs> You're so right. That's so true. It's sort of like, let me give you what I think sexy is according to when I grew up in the like, I don't know, 50s or 60s. Exactly. Right? exactly. So it's like he's not yeah. wrong, but he's so out of touch with it that it comes off yeah. almost kind of, yeah, like soap opery or like everyone's so intense at times where it's like, whoa, cool it. Like, I, well, Clive Owen was very sexy in this movie i'm not he gonna is. lie he I, is I, <laughs> intense sometimes he really oh, yeah like he was intense and i i also really respected that it was very he was very much about like consent and very much like do you think i'm gonna hit you like what the fuck and i i love that he was very uh, he was like that aggressive dom top that like all the gays wish existed that does exist but it's like five percent and then the rest of it's like 95 percent a sea of bottoms but literally <laughs> with clive owen it's sort of like um, okay, so as much as I'm saying that this movie was so much of a soap opera and I kind of like rolled my eyes at a lot of the scenes, bitch, I could not take my eyes off this movie. I could not take my it, eyes off of you. It was, <laughs> <laughs> out of all of the movies, it was the one that was like probably because of that soap operaotic parts and because Mike Nichols is a good director, I was intrigued the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if I was, like you're saying, about to roll my eyes, I was still like, well, I don't want to roll it because I can't look away. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, um, I can't believe that we live in a world where there is a movie where somebody called Julia Roberts a, quote, fucked up slag. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's Aaron Brockovich. I think that that there's like crimes in place right now that you're going to you're going to jail. Also, um, uh, a great scene from Natalie Portman is whenever Jude Law tells her, her that uh, he's leaving her um, and that he's in love with Anna and she can't leave uh, the apartment. She wants to leave, but she can't leave. It's a very heartbreaking scene. And again, this is her doing the most that she can with this soap opera yes. and really selling it for me anyway. Yeah, no, no, for sure. That's why I was just like, oh, she is really like digging into it, but not overdoing it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Which you could with something like this. Like they both, mm -hmm. her and Clive Owen, like approach like. Like at, at points I was imagining, I know this is weird, but it's just because I'm a big Nick Cage fan. I was imagining Nick Cage as Clive Owen's part sometimes. And I'm like, he would just ham this up. <laughs> he would just go over the top with some of this and make it hilarious. But that's where I'm like, oh, that's where Clive Owen and, Natalie, and both 
Natalie Portman, because they both got nominations for this, really ride that line and make it where I'm like, oh, I'm with you, even though it is pretty melodramatic at parts. Oh my God. I didn't even think that Nic- Nicolas Cage and Clive Bowen, they, yeah, they kind of have like a similar, like maybe like eyes or something. Yeah, they I go totally to zero to that. 60. They go to zero to 60 in the same way. <laughs> but because he has an accent, people don't jump on him the same way they do. I'll obviously come to Nick Cage's defense. And again, this is supposed to be talking about actresses, but just like, yeah, that's what I was thinking at times where I'm like, oh, but she does it so well where I'm like, she does, there could be times where she could be overdoing it. And that's where I definitely see where I'm like, oh, this role, you see hints of her going into what she did eventually win the Oscar for uh, Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's true. Also, this, but near the cut, it's like near the end of the movie, though, it was just starting to become very repetitive, very yeah. hot and cold. And the motel scene at the end when Jude Law, because he's extremely unlikable in this movie, when Jude Law just hits Natalie Portman across the face. I was just like, oh my God, I have had it with this character. Where is that fucking wood chipper from Fargo? Because I'm ready to throw (laughs) Jude Law into it. I am so sick. Like by the end of the movie, I was just like, oh my, there was no redeemable factor about Jude Law. And I think that they were trying to be like, oh, see, like this is realistic because he's, he's so flawed, you know? And you're like, okay, but as a viewer, I need just one redeemable factor because he's like a writer. You know, you're a stand-up comedian. I'm a stand-up comedian. We're writers. We're comedy writers. So for me, when I see a writer character just being despicable, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, that's me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, and, uh. and totally, like, there wasn't that point when he did that to her. I was like, no, there's – you should have held back the same way like Clive Owen did earlier with Julia Roberts and got mad at her and be like, you think I'm going to hit you? I've Like, you might have been in the past, but I'm not that type of person. But then it's like – oh, this is the type of person who does it. And then I was like, give me, yeah, something, something else. Because of that earlier scene, I'm like, is this all bullshit then when he's crying to Clive Owen? Yeah. And Clive Owen's being very honest with him then. I'm like, oh, is this just him being again, complete bullshit? Like, Mm -hmm. I know. But then it was hard to to say, because the movie was just like the tones of everyone's character, like you were saying, was changing every scene. So it was tough to know. Tough to know. No, I know. Um, A couple facts about this movie. So at the beginning of filming, Natalie Portman gave Julia Roberts a necklace that said cunt Uh in honor of their characters' foul mouths. And at the end of filming, Roberts gave Natalie Portman a necklace that said little cunt. Uh That's adorable. That's fun. Um, Allegedly, director Mike Nichols burnt fully nude scenes of Natalie Portman because that was a big rumor and like hype about the movie. I don't know if that's true, but allegedly he burned these scenes. Oh. Um, Panic at the Disco song, lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, uh, which is also a line that Alice says to Larry in the Paradise Yes, scene. yes, it is. And Kate Blanchett was originally cast as Anna, Julia Roberts. Huh. And yeah, those are the facts that I enjoyed about movie uh fantastic performance from natalie portman and um I, I i really appreciate that she went there for all of it and i think that she did the most that she could with this with this silly silly movie <laughs> yes yes and she was probably out of all the nominations in her movie the most or had the most character ah no laura lenny was in hers a lot no but like you said near the end she wasn't so yeah i enjoyed yeah. that part of it too that she was like a main character throughout 
Hey, Best Actress listeners, enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to Virginia Madsen in the movie Sideways. So I've seen this movie so many times. Very quickly, two men reaching middle age with not much to show but disappointment embark on a week-long road trip through California's wine country just as one is about to take the trip down the aisle. And uh, Paul Giamatti is the main character, Miles, who frankly is the only interesting character in the movie. Although (laughs) I will say that Thomas Hayden Church, who plays Jack, who was also nominated for this Oscar, um, had a solid chance at winning Best Supporting Actor because at first he was just that like, dude, we need to get you laid like over and over again. And I was like, oh, my God, because as an as a gay person watching movies and TV shows growing up, Something that I noticed was that there always needed to be a character that was like the supporting friend character that would be like, dude, we need to get you laid. Otherwise, they wouldn't get funding. I swear to God. Like, it was so, it was such a trope. And so when the movie started and Jack just like, we need to get your dick wet. Like, you need to get be balls deep in some pussy. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, this got nominated for an Oscar. But then when the shit hits the fan and Sandra Oh just like beats the shit out of him, yeah. like, okay, like this is fun. Like I love this. Yeah. And so he does a lot with it. Yeah, no. Uh, and so anyway, Virginia Madsen is uh, Maya, who works at one of these vineyard restaurants, and uh, Paul Giamatti, who is divorced and miserable and also a miserable writer, but he has redeemable qualities, something that I wish Jude Law could have been in closer, uh, kind of falls in love with um, uh, Maya, and then you kind of think it's going to be like unrequited love, and then spoiler, they potentially get together in the end it's up to you as the as the viewer but i'm assuming that they do because she does call him and she read the like five thousand page book and i think that's a love language in itself anyway um i i really like this movie a lot but let's just call it for what it is it's a buddy picture and virginia madsen is just a device for paul giamatti I don't really think that there's a lot going on here. And this is going to elicit the gay gas. Frankly, I'm kind of shocked. Other than that monologue that she had about why she loves um, drinking wine and what it means to her and how when she drinks wine, she likes to wonder like what the weather was like that day and what the year was like and what the conditions were and the climate and where it's from in the world. Other than that one monologue, there's really not a lot going on here for her. And here we go. I am shocked that she was nominated for an Academy Award. I'm surprised that she was in content. She was up for the highest honor with all of these other performances, especially, let's say, Hotel Rwanda, for example, with this performance. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. So what did you think? I Well, I have to agree with a lot of things. Like, I had seen this when it came out. I've seen it a couple times since. And watching it now with this angle of watching it because of Virginia Madsen being nominated, I was surprised. I'm like, she's not in it that much. 
for mm-hmm. an Oscar and if for an Oscar nominated performance, if you're not in it that much, there's supposed to be a couple scenes that really either knock it out of the park. And I think it was one of those instances where the Academy loved this movie so much. It was one of those little like indie comedies that could type situations where they're like, where they wanted it to give it more. So they just kind of like gave it that nomination, even though it really didn't deserve it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where it was just like, cause yeah, other than that one speech where she's like describing wine, but again, it's kind of just that speech is a vehicle for miles trying to see someone seeing value in him. Like mm-hmm. literally what he was just kind of talking about with wine and everything. And like, here's someone saying that in a different way and appreciating and speaking like he does. So even her big moment was just kind of a moment for him. So it was kind of one of those, like, and I really like her. She's a great actress, but yeah, I was like, other things like if that could have got nominated, why couldn't like Kirsten Dunst in uh, Confession? Uh, what, no, what's the one? Uh, Virgin Suicides. No, no, that that one, yeah. But also for this year, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like she's in that really small, right. but she was like equally like if Virginia Madsen's getting a nomination for that, why didn't that movie get more acting ones? Kind of thing. Because like True. I love this movie because I also really like Alexander Payne movies and his like subtle. Like exactly what you think of like, oh, is this guy just like this character? And then halfway through the movie of like, oh, shit's getting real. Nice. Like we're going to sit in this awkwardness like mm-hmm. even longer. And when Sandra Oster starts beating the shit out of him at that point, I was like, give her the nomination. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And you're right. I do think that it was the hype of the movie. And I think the one thing that kind of got like really annoying was they were really trying to drive um the fact that we're all wines they were really trying to drive that metaphor and they kind of just drove yeah. it into the ground it's like okay i get it i know it's symbolic we're all wines we're all delicious grapes we all have our reasons of why we taste a certain way it's like i get it like we need to kind of move on from that a little bit getting annoying however all that being said though i do love this movie i've seen it so many times it's my mom my mom always used to quote this when I was growing up saying like, I'm not fucking drinking Merlot, <laughs> you know? And so for me, it is like kind of nostalgic, but Virginia Madsen, she's clearly a, a fantastic actress. And I, again, she is giving the exact performance that she's supposed to be giving in this movie. But again, I have to wonder similar to the Natalie Portman thing, although Natalie Portman comparatively speaking, gave way more. Yeah. Uh, is that like, is it because it's like, oh, we have a crush on Virginia Madsen in this movie as Maya? Like, is Maya like the desire? I don't know, because like, obviously, like Paul Giamatti, like, and this is during the time whenever like women had to be like models, but then the leading actors could be Paul Giamatti. You know what I'm saying? Let's yeah. just leave it there. I'm not going to say anything too rude, but it's just sort of like, maybe like the average looking man uh, in America sees Virginia Madison who's gorgeous and thinks like, oh, if she's into somebody like Paul Giamatti, like maybe she'd be into me. I don't know. I'm reading into this and I'm creating my own narrative in my head, but that makes sense to me. I just frankly don't understand this nomination. Great movie and great acting, but I don't think it's worthy of an Oscar nomination. No, no. Again, yeah, same. I agree with you across the board there where it's like, yeah, great movie, but really? It was the one I was kind of scratching my head of like, huh, other than that one scene, there's nothing really here. And again, I think they just loved the movie and wanted to give it more. Because didn't it win like best adapted screenplay? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to give it something. So usually movies like that, they'll like, you, sometimes you'll see a pattern of like, they'll get a, a writing nomination and supporting actor nominations because it's not going to get the big ones. 
Right. Like, but ever since it opened up the big categories to 10, then those movies start getting Best Picture nominations. But in the past, those little indie movies that people really liked would get supporting nominations and writing nominations. It was just a weird pattern that, that, that that's what they would give. Well, this was nominated for Best Picture. This one did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This one was a big one. But you knew at that point, like, uh, it was against, like, Million Dollar Baby, Aviator that it didn't really have right. a chance at that, that that's when they usually like, ah, we'll give you a writing. Like that. Can you imagine how wild that would be if it actually won? That would be crazy. That would have been wild. Uh, this little wine movie. Yeah. Just that would be a huge upset. I love that. The only fact about this movie that I found interesting is the house where Miles has to go and get Jack's wallet at the end where that couple is like fucking. Yeah. Was actually previously being used as a meth lab. Um, <laughs> Like up until like a couple weeks before filming. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <sighs> I would like to move on though, if that's okay. Of course, of course. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, yeah. Congrats, Virginia Madsen. Your nomination is your win. Yes, it is her only nominations too. So yes, at least she got one. Okay, so let's talk about Sophie Okanedo in the movie Hotel Rwanda. And I actually always remember Sophie from the movie Aeon Flux. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw yes, that I, movie. Yes, I did. I, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love that movie, but it was like a complete flop at the, at the box office. Oh, huge flop. Huge flop. But I, I loved that movie when I was like 15 or 14 or whatever the fuck this came out. Yeah. It um, played at the movie theater when I worked there. So I saw like everything. So, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I love that. Okay, so let's talk about Hotel Rwanda. So I didn't think this one through because I watched Sideways followed by Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> and that was a mistake because I should have probably started with Hotel Rwanda because it's about genocide. Yes, and in heavy. Rwanda. Yeah, yeah. So very quickly. So Paul... Uh, Okay, I'm going to butcher this, so I'm so sorry that I'm pronouncing this so wrong. So Paul Rusis Bagina, a hotel manager, houses over a 1,000 Tutsi refugees during their struggle against the Hutu militia in Rwanda, Africa. And it is, I will say, first thing, actually, I'm shocked that this was not nominated for Best Picture. I yeah. think that this should have been nominated over Sideways. Yes, for sure. Watching it, I was yeah. like, I'm surprised this didn't get more than it did. Because this was, um, of all of the films, probably like the, or for me, like the best film. I, I love this one the most, the most compelling. I love when things are based on, you know, history. Although apparently Paul, Don che who I love Don Cheadle, who was nominated for Best Actor for this, Apparently, this was like a revisionist storyline because in real life, apparently, the uh, the man Paul, who was the hotel manager, actually charged all of the um, refugees at the hotel and was giving priority to all of the like rich clients. And apparently, he has been like since sentenced to like thirty years, but he's currently living in Belgium. So I don't know if that will like hold up. Like as in, I don't think he can go back to that country anymore. Uh... But Apparently, a lot of people were very much against this film in Rwanda because they were like, "Yeah, that's not actually what happened. This is like a much more heroic version of the of the of what really happened." Huh. 
Um, yeah. So Sophie Okanedo is Tatiana. So that's Paul's wife. So Don Cheadle's wife. And when I was watching this movie and I'm seeing her in this movie and her like handling it because she is a uh, Tootsie and just for context, anybody listening, the Hutus were genociding the Tutsis and, and their occupation in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching this movie, I'm just thinking, I'm like, isn't it so funny that this is the most eclectic mix of performances where I'm like, how the fuck do you compare them and go like, this one's better or like that one's better. I mean, compared to Virginia Madison, like Madison, like, yeah, like the the fact that Virginia Madison was nominated for sideways. And then you have Sophia Ganado nominated for hotel Rwanda for this. You're like, how the fuck are they in the same category? It kind of blows my mind a little bit, but um, shit gets real fast uh, in this movie. Um, you know, the president is killed um, by the Hutus and then like, yeah, the shit hits the fan. Uh, and then everybody has to seek shelter in Sophie's or sorry, in Tatiana's house. And then Don Cheadle has to come in and then he has to like bargain for people's lives with like money and little money that they have. And he has to like work with the Red Cross to like find people. And then Tatiana's like looking for her brother who she actually never ends up finding, but then she does find her niece and her nephew. And that's like kind of in a way, the one like happy thing that does happen in this movie. Cause I'll be honest with you. I had to pause this movie a lot. Yeah. Like thank God they had that reunited. And even if it was like made up for the movie, it was like, ah, they needed to give something to the audience because it was, yeah, it was intense out of all the movies that we watched. You know, bodies in the streets, um, the bargaining to keep people alive. And it just seemed like um, Don Cheadle's character, Paul, it was like, even though he was bargaining with these people of like how to stay alive longer, you always just felt like he was always losing every time yeah more and more so of just like and then like that tone of the movie felt more and more heavy as it became clear that no one was coming for them and then Mm -hmm. it was just like it was a very just like oh movie just kind of kept punching you in the gut and you're like well it's not it's not like it was like supposed to be a feel-good movie by any means but it was definitely just like (laughs) holy moly and yeah but it does make you go and that's kind of the thing with it with any award show you're like how is this movie up against this little movie about wine but you're like the only the only thing is just the year that a thing comes out in really that matches anything up towards it so it's weird like I know. And the movie is just a constant, perpetual state of stress. Like, that's why I had to keep pausing it, because I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is so heavy. And again, I should have I should have started. I should have started with this movie instead of like watching it after like the delightful movie about the wine vineyard. I <laughs> started with Sideways or I should have started with Hotel Rwanda, because, yeah, this is a really heavy picture. And um because we we recently did um, Lupita Nyong'o for Twelve Years a Slave, and again, like that's also a really Ooh, that's heavy, a very picture. heavy movie, yeah. You know, and so watching that, it, you're just like, oh my god, like these performances are so heartbreaking. And I I just think that yeah, Sophie Okonedo, I totally understand the nomination, and um, I I love the way that she was constantly trying to keep it together while also still being like, well, I'm also I have no authority here, I have no power. Not only am I a woman, but I'm also a Tootsie and I, you know, I'm at the mercy of whatever the fuck is going on in this hotel. And even at one point, Don Cheadle's character, Paul, literally goes like, 
if I die, I need you to go up to the roof and suicide pack with the kids and jump off and kill yourself. Yeah, that was like, whew. Yeah. That, uh, and then when they, when they're reunited after, like, he kind of, like, leaves them, like, sends them off and says, like, I can't leave. I can't let these people die. Like, go. And she kind of freaks out. And then they're reunited. And she's, like, freaking out at him. That moment right there. I was like, oh, I think this is one of those moments that got her the attention for the nomination. But she's just like, no, you get away from me. Like, you left us. He's like, oh. And then, like, pushing him away yeah. while trying to get near him. You know what I mean? That moment of like, you're alive, but you left us and like everyone coming together. It was super heavy and emotional. I remember tearing up at that part. And I was like, cause yeah, that, at, at that too. point I was like, Oh, she's not in it enough for me. And then it was like, okay, those moments started happening where I was like, okay, exactly what you're saying. If she's holding it together and then she like, she falls apart for a second, but then has to hold it together. But I did wish she was in it a bit more because she was such a strong actress and like kind of underused at parts. I agree with you. I mean, even the scene whenever he goes up to the roof to see if it's her, she's not there. And then he goes downstairs into the suite and she's in the shower with the kids and other people. I thought that was also like an emotionally devastating scene as well because she's so terrified. Yeah. And she just really handled all of the scenes very well. And um, it was just a very consistently great performance from her. And I think that doing those kinds of scenes over and over, it's just emotionally exhausting and draining. And I think she really, she knocked it out of the park. Oh yeah. Like there's times when she's screaming and I was just like, oh man, just doing that twice would murder anybody. <laughs> oh, like, I know. And, and like trucks driving away and she's like, no. And I was like, oh I gosh. Like... I know. Also, <laughs> the only thing about this movie that I thought was not great and a little distracting was Nick Nolte as a Canadian. I know. Like, thank you. Well, thank you. My girlfriend and I were like, watching it. She's just like, what? He's supposed to be this like soft-spoken Canadian guy. And you get Nick Nolte. Right, how's it I going? <laughs> hey, everybody. That's what we, we need to do. Yeah. yeah everybody <laughs> just stay calm. Don't shoot anybody. <laughs> like, oh my God. Who cast that role? Like, I know. I'm like, have you heard a Canadian? And not that we don't have like tough guy Canadians, but it's not like that. It's very much like, all right, what we're going to need to yeah. do here? Like, it's like, like why, didn't, that. why didn't they switch Joaquin Phoenix and him? Like, make like yeah. make Nolte <laughs> the grizzled kind of like photographer, journalist guy. Because like Joaquin Phoenix was weirdly like a name actor that just kind of disappeared. Like it, it was yeah. it was almost like kind of like. Was that supposed to be bigger? And then when editing came around, it was like, oh, this guy's really not that important other than the fact that he's like a bit of a name actor-ish. You know what I yeah. mean? It was kind of weirdly like, just like, oh, he's here and he's gone. Like it was an odd. And then, yeah, like you said, Nick Nolte was the only one just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> this is a very funny. Everyone else is per weird. perfectly cast. So that, hey, I'm just here to calm things down. <laughs> I know it was like it was I don't know where anybody in Canada gets that accent. But, I know uh, it was so funny. <laughs> it was so weird. Um so the screenwriter actually spent one year writing the first draft of the script and during the process he actually called the Rwandan embassy in DC and the woman who picked up the phone was a survivor who stayed at the Mill Collin Hotel when all of this took place. Um Whoa. and another thing about uh oh that's not really a super great fact 
Yeah. There there weren't – oh, Cuba Gooding Jr. actually declined um, a leading role. I actually much prefer Don Cheadle, and I, I feel like he's just so underused by Hollywood. I'm a huge fan of Don Cheadle. Oh, I love Don Cheadle. Like, anytime he's in something, and I'm just like, oh, great. Soderbergh uses him a few times. Like, he's in, like, Traffic in the Oceans movies. But yes. even in those, he's, like, small roles. So, yeah, when he gets a lead thing, I'm always like, yes, this is great. Like – 100%. And I, I, I do have to agree with you, though. I do think that Sophie was a little underused in this mm-hmm. movie, but yeah. Um, and I, I would like to see a little bit uh, more scenes with her, but I think that she did a lot with with what she was given. And just to manage that constant state of stress, um, it was very real, very real performance, very heavy, and uh, fantastic performance in a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Very Okay. Good. Do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on to our winner? No, other than same thing with you. I watched them in the wrong order. I wish I would have planned <laughs> planned it better. I watched the two more like funner ones. Like first, like Sideways and Kinsey. Not that necessarily it's funner. There are moments of Kinsey that are heavy, but for the most part, it's lighter of the fare. Mm-hmm. And then this right. one, I was just like, oh, should have done this one first. This is not what you watch after Sideways. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. All right. Okay, so let's talk about our winner, Kate Blanchett, for the movie The Aviator. So very quickly, The Aviator, a biopic depicting the early years of legendary director and aviator Howard Hughes's career from the late 1920s to the mid-1940s. One of my favorite parts about this movie was the cinematography, which had actually won the Oscar for cinematography, was um, director Martin Scorsese actually did color tone of what films would have looked like if they were in color because of the amount of tone rate in a film. So at the beginning of the movie, everything was red, white, blue because it was like three tone at the time of like, that's how films looked. And then as you progress throughout the movie, the colors become more uh, diverse. You have more colors and it becomes more realistic looking just color wise and i thought that that was such a fun uh cinematography move and i totally see why it won um best cinematography in the movie kate blanchett plays Catherine hepburn who is yes. a <laughs> non of course with the with the with the and i love talking about like i just cut down a tree and Connecticut, like that very intense <laughs> specific Catherine hepburn burn voice and I I love I love Catherine Hepburn, another person that won the Oscars for all of the wrong movies. Um, yeah, I was looking but, at hers and I was like, what? This one? That one? Yeah, I know. I know. It was always like they were reward, rewarding her for like, well, you know, she's due. And um, in this movie, uh, Kate Blanchett playing Catherine Hepburn, she absolutely nails the accent, the mannerisms. I mean, Kate Blanchett is one of the best actresses working, period. Um, okay. She really immerses herself in the role. She actually learned how to play tennis and golf, took cold showers, just like Catherine Hepburn did. So she really immerses herself in the character of all of these supporting actress characters. This Catherine Hepburn character is probably one of the more three-dimensional performances in terms of the way that it's written. However, I am not going to allow that to influence my decision of who I think that the Oscar should have gone to because that's not the fault of the actress. That's the fault of the writer. Um, and I think that the opening of the movie spelling the word quarantine is a little triggering in 2022. Yes. Oh man. I didn't expect that. I did not expect that. Yep. And also another great thing about that. I love about this movie. It was so fun seeing Gwen Stefani's original face. Um, (laughs) 
playing Gene Harlow. So that yeah. that was really, really fun. And also one thing that I love that they didn't need to go here, but like historically all of the facts prove that Catherine Hepburn was clearly a lesbian, but like uh, the story didn't need to be about that. And I, I know that, but I thought that maybe it would have been cool if, you know, Kate Blanchett kind of like went there a little bit, but like the movie didn't call for that. And I understand that. But yeah, Catherine Hepburn was like ev- all of the signs point that she was very gay. Um, and uh, if you've never read Scotty Bauer's book where he kind of like he used to be like a pimp for all the Hollywood stars, it's a very interesting book. I gave it to my friend Andrew Johnston who brought it to L.A. And I'm like, oh, I regret it because now I like want to reread this book. But he talks about um, he talks about uh, uh, Spencer Tracy and 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 Catherine Hepburn and how they kind of had like an agreement and how their relationship was very public. But it was all fake and because they both the had like yeah and so it's very 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 interesting but anyway what did you think about Kate Blanchett what did you think about the movie I uh loved watching it for exactly all the reasons you were saying it's such a out of all these movies probably the most beautiful like the Mm -hmm. cinematography in it and like when I saw it at the time I liked movies but now watching it from that finally getting to appreciate what you had mentioned off the top of like him changing the different coloring or whatever but at the time I think I was like why does the golf green look weird? <laughs> when I saw it when I was right. in, uh, <laughs> when right. I saw it in high school, I'm like, oh, I like Scorsese, but he's the lighting was off in this scene. There's something like that, but right. now being like, oh, that's so such a cool choice, and yep. she is great in it. Oh man, like I the first scene, I was like, oh, I see why she won. Like r- like just like the energy in that first scene when they're golfing and everything, and like it's not an impression. She really embodies the character. Where it could have mm-hmm. easily, like you said, because Catherine Hepburn has such a voice that it could have easily just been an impersonation type, like performance. But she's such a Kate Kate Blanchett is such a great actress that it wasn't, and it is fully formed. And I'm so glad because at one point in the movie, I was like, "Oh, she's not in it that much." And then at least she finally does come back. That scene outside the door with him mm-hmm. that really solidifies her like connection to Howard and like that made it for me i was like okay i see because but then again it's because the movie is so long i always forget sometimes scorsese movies i'm like this is almost three hours like <laughs> holy and moly I also f- i finished on this movie and i was like okay because i i watched the aviator like a couple months ago and it's just i love the movie but like i'm not ready for a rewatch and when i turned it on i forgot it was three hours and i was just texting my family goodbye <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it's a long one, but she is she is really really great in it. But she's not. Uh, I see why she won again because the Academy loves itself. It loves movies about movies. It loves movies about people who have won Oscars and everything like that. So it was like out of all the ones, it was a tough year because I think people thought Leo this was his year, or like mm-hmm. he was definitely going to win it for how in depth he went with this character and again he's one of those people who won for something i think wasn't the movie he should have won for but uh, oh absolutely the revenant but yeah i mean i completely yeah and you're right it is very incestuous but a weird fact about this movie that i thought was so stupid is they were like oh like this is the first time that an actress won an oscar for playing an oscar winner i'm like cool but anyway it's like that's not really that I'm, i don't find that very interesting but um what I enjoy about, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn is she's kind of the 
person who notices his OCD where nobody else really does because he's very socially awkward. Yeah. And but he's not like that with women, but he's like that with other people. And um, she notices like his um, routines and his uh, rituals, but she kind of doesn't really comment on it. And she just accepts that that's kind of who he is. And frankly, I think that that's how Catherine Hepburn would be, especially that scene when she's like at her family house in Connecticut. Yeah. Very like, I always think about that scene because you're like, yeah, like you're a rich family. That's completely out of touch with how the world works. Like, and I'm glad that they touched on that. She's flawed. And I, I like the way that she comes out and she goes like, he's like, well, you're not like that. You're not like them. Um, normally and then she's like well they expect me to be a certain way and then it goes back to her being an actress and being a character and being on and then at one point he kind of says something like oh my god it's you're acting right now like enough with the acting and she's trying to get defensive like i am not acting and he's like i don't even think that you can tell anymore i just love that they go there with her because she's flawed and she is that supporting character and I the the scene but on the other side of the door when she wants to go for a, a ride in the plane and she wants to see him it's such a heartbreaking scene and it's just that kind of thing where Catherine Hepburn was such a character that this could have been almost caricature yeah and I just exactly. don't know you know and I just don't know if anybody else could have done it better than Kate Blanchett like she just did such a good job and that one scene too that really really humanizes her more not that she needed humanizing but like they are playing really larger than life characters this whole movie everyone else pops up playing a big person and everything and so like she when they're on the floor talking or whatever about how like you can't be that honest with these people like they're vulture like they can get really there's no decency and talking about how right. like when her brother killed himself and there's photographers at the funeral, like they'll they'll make a mockery of us. Kind of trying to like like you exactly were saying, she sees what other people can't see of like you have some weird quirks, Howard. And if the world sees them for what they are, you're gonna be made fun of. So like she's trying to protect him in mm-hmm. a in a equal way, not in a motherly way. And like being trying to like and that's the scene where I was like, Oh, this is like this is great. Like the, mm-hmm. every scene with her was great, but that one right there, I was just like, Oh wow, this is really, I forgot about this from when I first saw it. Oh, a hundred percent. And also just as a side note, I fucking loved the camera flash bulbs, exploding, exploding ASMR. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's so satisfying. Like, and like it falls and the glasses on the ground and they're standing it's on the glass. Stepping and then the on crunching. It. Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, I could, I love that. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It made me like, so appreciate like, Oh, I wish at the time I appreciated that more. Cause I got to see it in theaters when it first came out and I'm just watching it on my TV at home. I'm like, Oh, I wish I at the time was really just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like on yeah. a full yeah. screen with the right proper, like sound and everything that would have been insane. <laughs> um, so two, a couple of facts about this movie. So Kate Blanchett, uh, felt that accurately reproducing Catherine Hepburn's distinctive upper upper class New Englander accent was crucial to her portrayal uh, of this Hollywood icon to the point where she did daily voice exercises with voice coach Tim Monick, uh, with whom Blanchett had actually previously worked in The Talented Miss Ripley, uh, and also studied Hepburn's early movies and documentaries about her to learn her mannerisms. And frankly, I think that that is important because Catherine Hepburn was such a character. Like, her voice was so specific. And... Um, apparently the freckles, freckles were painstakingly painted onto Kate Blanchett's 
face, arms, and chest to make her resemble Catherine Hepburn. And I can honestly tell you, I did not see one freckle on her. <laughs> it was uh, a fruitless effort. Yeah, it's one of those things where Scorsese is all about detail sometimes. Which good on him, because his movies te- stand the test of time for that, especially when they're period pieces and everything like that. But exactly like you were saying, certain people, when they play certain people from history you have to have the mannerisms right. Some you can throw it to the wind if that's not what they were known for. But Catherine Hepburn is such a, exactly that. There's a voice to her, there's mannerisms or everything like that. So her studying that definitely, and it paid off because it wasn't, but then again, it wasn't just a caricature or just an imitation of just like, oh, she did a great job. She made something of it, even though she's only in the movie for like a quarter of it or less. She stood out, she stands out. I even there's this YouTube edit where they just have Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn in like four parts. I'm like, oh, do I just watch that? <laughs> I just watch this movie and I, I don't need a refresh. Um, but anyway, I thought that, you know, um, I she, it's Kate Blanchett. Like, I, I don't think you can watch a Kate Blanchett movie and just be like, well, that that was a fucking turd. Like, it's just in terms of acting like it's she's she's up there with meryl you know what i mean yeah and a little fun fact that i found cool was uh her other nomination she didn't win for but she was nominated for uh what was a supporting role in uh, for bob dylan that one but then another one uh i have it written down but i guess i lost it but the writer who wrote um uh, Kinsey wrote that, or no? I got all my facts mixed up. Never mind. Wait, I thought please. I was coming in with a cool fact here, and then I mixed it all up. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm not there. Yeah, that one. Maybe I'm, I'm messing it up. Anyways, you can or add, notes add on a there. scandal. Yeah, that's what it was. Notes on a scandal. I love that movie. It is yeah. fucked. Yeah, that one is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Um... <laughs> Well, okay, so I think, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Kate Blanchett's performance before we select a winner? No, I think we talked about that one. I think I said everything. Okay, so let's go ahead and select who we think that the Oscars should have gone to. So you are my guest, so uh, you will do the honors of going first. Okay, uh, and so I'm going to say, and I think... The Oscar should have went to Natalie Portman. Oh, wow. Okay, why? Uh, I just felt out of all the performances her character had, like, was in the movie a lot. And I know that's not, Mm -hmm. shouldn't be the only deciding factor. I just think that she really... Kind of like what you were saying, what like what was happening in her career and everything of like the Star Wars movies and it going that way. This she really like pulled out all the stops or didn't pull any punches or whatever euphemism or whatever thing. Ha <laughs> euphemism. That was a big thing in the movie. Um, I think it was just like great. And I know she won later on for Black Swan, but I think that would have been cool. Like if she won, it would have been a big upset too, because no one would have expected her to win. And I think she was the most like appealing part throughout the whole movie. Okay, that's very interesting. Okay, so I think that the Oscar should have gone to Kate 
Natalie Portman for Closer. Oh so, yeah, I'm. You actually kind of changed my line, mind a little bit because I was gonna say Kate Blanchett, but then I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know, I actually feel like Natalie Portman gave a much braver performance. Yeah, and she she really went there, and obviously Catherine Hepburn's character was more well rounded and more three dimensional, and we know maybe historically why she was the way that she was. So that's not necessarily a credit to Kate Blanchett. So that's actually kind of working against Natalie Portman. So maybe Natalie Portman had to do more in that regard to get her character's um, motivation uh, across clearer. And maybe that was a little bit more of a challenge. But I also think that um, if I think about like Notes on a Scandal, for example, where she has to make out with like a 15-year-old, I'm like, give her the Oscar for that. (laughs) Or give her the Oscar for Elizabeth or even Blue Jasmine. Carol, I'm like, I actually just comparing it to her other nominations, I would say that the Catherine Hepburn, she nails the voice, but I just don't, I think that they were rewarding her for having such an amazing career up to that point and for the loss of Elizabeth that they were like, yeah, like, let's give it to her because it's a fantastic performance. And listen, I'm glad that she won this Oscar. I totally understand why she won it. But for me, I actually think that the the braver performance and the one that really stands out in my mind, just specifically in these five nominees, it actually is Natalie Portman, like now that I'm thinking about it, because it was like a soap opera kind of movie, but she made it very real. And it was a, it was a dark movie. And as somebody coming from the Star Wars franchise, you know, this could have gone either way because mm-hmm. it's the tone is, is quite ridiculous. Um, but I loved it, and I think that it was a great way to break away from the Star Wars image. And yeah, I mean, it's she really stands out. And plus, I have that fucking like I can't keep my eyes off of you (laughs) stuck in my fucking head. And I'm picturing Natalie Portman like walking in the crowd, and all the men and their their gaze, and they're always looking at her and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, yeah, like the the most memorable performance for me, because I was going to say Kate Blanchett, but no, like after you said your piece, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it makes sense that Natalie Portman, she did win the Golden Globe. So it does make sense that she probably had the shot at a shot at winning this. And the other thing is Kate Blanchett had like, and not at all to take away from her performance, has something to try to be like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not just a script. True. It's not just a script on, and I'm not at all saying when someone plays someone that is easier by any means, but she does have a lot of things to try to match up to it because she's a very good actress. She hit them all on the mark. Whereas in Natalie Portman, like you, we were saying, the script is very soap, soap operatic kind of thing. And she rose above it a bit more than everyone else in the movie that made me go like, oh, wow, this is, this is great. And she's hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Okay, so, ooh, mind changed at the last minute. Okay, so, Bobby Kanoff, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm uh, on Instagram, Bobby Kanoff and Cats. Uh, Also, (laughs) my puppet buddy, Andre the Alien. Hey, that's me, Andre the Alien. Uh, He is also on Instagram at Andre underscore the Alien. He's fun. He has a monthly show. And uh, yeah, I post Ooh. my sh- yeah yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you're in Ottawa next time, I will have you on, Kyle. It'll be tons of fun. I'm I'm in Ottawa next week for Birdie's Festival. Ooh, I don't think my show's happening at the same time, but we will just have to get together <laughs> regardless for a coffee. Did I call you on your bluff? And you're like, shit. Uh- <laughs> no, no, no. It's at the end of the month. <laughs> Um, Okay, well, thank you so much for being a guest. We'll definitely have to have you back, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.